0: You're listening to the Maple Leaf Hot Stove Podcast with Alec Brownscombe, Anthony Petrielli, and Declan Karen. On this episode, they'll be discussing the 2018 NHL Entry Draft, the Jonathan Tavares sweepstakes, and much more. Welcome, everyone, to the inaugural Maple Leaf Hot Stove
1: Podcast. This is Alec Brownscombe, joined by my good friends and colleagues, Anthony Petrielli and Declan Karen. How's it going, boys? Happy to be here.
0: Not too bad. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's kind of weird, i got to say, to be saying uh, inaugural podcast, knowing that the site is literally approaching the 10-year anniversary, uh, I think, on September 3rd of, of this summer. But here we are. I think we've done a few different iterations of this in the past with the hangouts we used to do. Uh, as a throwback, I think Gus Katsaros was podcasting way before everyone and their dog had a podcast. Like, we're talking 2009 here. He did a show called Stickwork on uh, Maple Leaf Hot Stove, and he had uh, he actually had Bobby Mack on, like, two or three times. So, shout-out to Gus, uh, way ahead of your time, as always, there, buddy. Uh, we're going to give that this ish. a shot, and hopefully, hopefully everyone can be kind of patient with the fact that While Anthony's on Fan 590 all the time, uh, I co-host a show on the weekends on TSN 1200. I don't really know what I'm doing here, and we're just going to kind of wing this uh, to start, and we'll see what shape it takes. So I'm thinking, guys, that we'll start. Uh, Obviously, everyone's mind is on Tavares Watch right now. We're looking at who he follows on Twitter and the tweets he likes, and people are researching places for his girlfriend to work, or soon-to-be wife, uh, breaking down who attended his bachelor party and who he golfed with last week. Well, we're gonna start. Uh, we're gonna start with the draft quickly because uh, it'd be good to cover that off just quick before we jump into the Devara stuff. So, guys, I think the the themes were pretty clear uh, as far as the draft was concerned. Anthony wrote a great piece on it, but there was uh, a bunch of under six foot, 160, 170 pound kids who can who can skate, who can handle the puck, who were uh, clearly there's an emphasis put on hockey IQ. They stocked up the defense pipeline pretty good with I think four of the first six picks, including the first two, were were all defensemen, and some obviously some predictable elements as well with Dubas doing the trade down he said he wasn't going to do, <laughs> and then drafting from the Sioux and the CHL a lot. So, and you guys have any quick thoughts on the overall draft class and what took place there? Uh, just
0: off the top. Go ahead, Anthony.
2: Yeah, just it was, it was all it was typical, right? Like that's to me, pretty much what we can expect from Kyle Dubas drafts moving forward. Like drafted for pretty clearly for skill, you know, high point totals in production was a priority. Um, There was a trade down, which always looks good value-wise. You know, you kind of go through like size doesn't matter. Like, you know, those kinds of things we hear all the time. We're not drafting for need, we're drafting best player. Uh, like you, you basically write the book. I think we'll see that draft like ten times older, ten times over, as long as he's GM here.
1: The point I really liked about your article uh, on the draft trends, Anthony, was the one about avoiding uh, late-round selections on heavily scouted leagues in the CHL. That's uh, something that I've, I've kind of believed in just on an anecdotal basis. Like I'll admit, I've never investigated statistically to prove that thesis, but it seems pretty sound to me. Like the just look at look at the Leafs draft history in the last few years. Like the Jack Walkers, the Ryan Ruperts, like the Vlad Bobalevs and the the Nick Matnins, and the Ryan McGregors. and I guess further behind them was Duroche and Karastalev. Like those are all out of the O and CHL. And I honestly I didn't really like any of those picks, and I don't think they're gonna get anything from that list if I'm honest. And I I, I remember the Berkey days when they took. Baron Smith from the Pete's in the seventh round. And I literally burst, <laughs> out, burst out laughing at the time because being, you know, being from Peterborough and having seen that kid play, it was clear that guy was going to be playing beer league by 21. You know, like was, <laughs> obviously that's a much different management group in different times and all that. But my point is that I think there is something to be said for trying to put the Leafs vast scouting resources and, and their vast scouting network to their advantage by trying to kind of unearth those those gems in the less heavily scouted areas of the globe in the late rounds, rather than trying to pick up these projects that kind of have these big time skill limitations or massive holes in their game, who are like every team in the league has seen a bunch of in the CHL, right? Yeah. And like who,
2: like when you think like people like a guy like um, Tommy Bergman, like the, you know, the Leafs Swedish scout. And we look back at like, who are the guys that generally like turn out like, uh, Andreas Jonsson's one, right? Like he was a seventh round pick.
1: Yeah, Pierre Pierre, yeah. Engvall, Pierre Engvall, Right. Looks so pretty he pretty good. You even go back to you even go back to Carl Gunnarsson and Leo. Camaro. Yeah, all these guys, right?
2: Gunnarsson was another seventh round pick. Like, um, Victor Stahlberg. I think I think we just
1: named, I think we just named four guys that were picked in the last round for the draft, and all of those drafts. You're Anton Stramman, like yep. go down the list. Stramman, we're gonna be back at Kavvily and Markov but, in a second, but yeah, like it's, I guess the one exception to that rule. Would be uh, Connor Brown, 2012. The only other right? like
2: latish one that I could think of is John Mitchell, but that's like way back when. And he played in the. O. He was a good. But player. yeah,
1: that's just looking at the own the team's draft history it makes a lot of sense to turn to those kind of those those uh, picks they made on on those late rounds. Uh, the the other thing that I think I noticed about the draft round the draft uh, in in total was that. I wouldn't say that the Leafs drafted any bad skaters, obviously, but they clearly like like they clearly mobilize like clearly like prioritized mobility and guys that were were smooth skaters and good on their edges, had good skating mechanics, but with Sandine and then uh, the the Russian kid from Peterborough in reading and talking to people, the thing that they 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 say is that they both need to add that extra gear and I think I think the Leafs are looking at those guys and they're thinking they can put them to work with their with their development staff with their strength and conditioning staff and then put them to work with barb underhill and kind of top up that top gear that explosiveness in the first few strides and i think travis Dermott is kind of a pretty good example of it
0: right i think the other one to compare to is uh, timushoff who was the same way wasn't really super explosive in his first three strides when he was drafted and he didn't have much of a top gear but i mean if you look at him now in the Marlies, um, there's a couple of examples where he was taking the longest route, one of the last players back and taking the longest route and he was able to catch up the catch up to the puck carrier on a couple of occasions that really surprised me. I didn't realize he had that top gear. And then with like Dermott, he
1: was he was always agile and good on his edges and a pretty smooth guy out there, but he needed to add that that little bit of extra explosiveness to his to his skating and they managed to I wouldn't say that I would say that Dermott's probably always going to lack a little bit that way, but he's managed to develop that in a lot of ways and the sim- the similarities there with sandine as far as player type and the kind of what they need to work on I think that's a really similar pick um, even even based down to his like personality like they're both kind of high character kids that are they're kind of charismatic and seem to have those leadership qualities as well
0: big personalities yeah the
1: uh, the closing point I had on the draft was just that um, I think, overall, we didn't necessarily see that Dubis. Like, I don't know, did you guys think there was anything that was like a clear philosoph- philosophical change from what we saw previous to Mark Hunter? Like, previous with Mark Hunter?
0: I think NHL, like just basically, you know, any, any equivalencies that they could, they could try to exploit, they seemed to, seem to do that.
2: Well, they didn't, uh, they didn't draft any big projects. Like the Leafs took some projects,
0: as in big, bo- as in
1: big like body both. projects.
2: Like, um, like any, like there was no like real guy that I look at, at. or, you know, you hear like this guy's like rough, but like maybe he can put it all together. Like, you know, Rassonin, like that. Yes, like usually has to do with size to some degree. But um, there was no one in that draft where we were like, oh, like this guy needs to like just like refine his game. If anything, it was more like the other way. Like this guy's too small. He hopefully has to overcome that. You know, the Peterborough guy, Matt Hollowell. Yeah, that,
1: that DSA pick. Yeah, Hollowell is really interesting because the thing that went underrated about him, and I we talked about this a little bit uh, the other day, but he, he didn't even have a, a summer last year, right? He didn't have a summer. He didn't have a training camp. He broke yeah. his femur uh, skating with the leaves. which I think we all know how hard that would be. To miss your summer training and then miss training camp, and I think he missed a few games at the at the front end of the year, and he went out and I don't know where he finished in OHL scoring, but I think he was I think he was right up there in even strength points, was he not? Like top five, top six.
0: He was, yeah.
1: Which I don't know. It's it, I that pick was the the one that instantly kind of I doubted right off the top, but in talking to Brock Otten and OHL prospects, and then talking to you know his former head coach and Drew Bannister. That pick is far more interesting to me. I understand like Banister's going to be biased towards this player, but he was a right-hander who stepped up because like Connor Timmons, when he was out of the lineup, that was a huge hole on the right side it's of the defense. Huge hole Hallow- yeah, Hollowell was actually a big part of uh, papering that over when, and I think and Sandine to his credit, was as well. I think he won the Rookie of the Month in in the month of December when Timmons was away, but. I, I, Hollowell, there could be something there I just think that like as a 590 it's really hard <laughs> and like he's not just small he's really small yeah
0: he looked I was there was a photo that uh, Paul Hendrick put out yesterday and it was all the 2016 basically 2016 to 2017 D that are really big all in a line with the new small guys and it looked like you were at uh, two different age groups looks like there was you know a 12 year old snuck onto the ice <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah yeah Mitch Marner, uh, basically, yeah, basically. Yeah, we're, we're not. Uh, let's let's finish up on the draft things. If you guys have anything last on there? Because there's a ton to talk about going forward in the free agency. You guys have anything uh, last on this? Yeah, I just thought it that? was
2: quiet. Like, it, but like not just the Leafs. Like, it, like everyone, it was a quiet weekend. Like there was the one trade where everyone's like, all right, another team giving up on Dougie Hamilton, and like that was pretty much it. Like, you know, we heard of some like contracts getting signed, but. I was just kind of disappointed in the weekend at large. Like the draft was kind of exciting because no one really knew where anybody was going, but that just that's like a shoulder shrug to me. Like there wasn't much movement or excitement overall. Like I don't really blame the Leafs for doing what they did. Uh, it it was just one of those
1: one of those drafts, I guess. Last last couple questions for you boys. Like, do you? Any at all skepticism about the fact that he turned to the Sioux uh, twice, and specifically at the end of the first round? And then, B, do you have any disappointment at all that Leafs weren't rumored to be more hard in on Hamilton? And do you think they even would have had a package that could have could have competed?
0: Better the devil you, you know than the devil you definitely don't. I think you know if you know his players well enough, and Sioux Saint Marie, you know you're going to get you know more about their character, you know more about their family history, things that you're, you're going to be hard to hard-pressed to uh, find otherwise why not you know you know what the player is going to be doing offensively and you know more about their their background i think it's a i think it's a, it's a decent idea yeah i'm so torn on it
2: like everything you said is 100 true like you know the guy and there's something to be said to knowing guy and you know like i've you know just been around the toronto minor hockey league circuit a little bit now um for a few years and yeah, like, if I if I know someone, and I like them, and I know what they're about, and I know I can work with that, like, that's a huge advantage, I find. At the same time, like, the optics are poor if it doesn't go well, because, like, he kind of, he traded down, like, he left some, some stuff on the table, not a ton. I, personally, I would have been intrigued by Bach, who was drafted with the pick that the Leafs traded out of. I, I thought he represented quite high upside, um, but, you know, like, I'm not going to sit here and say I watched Sandine play, you know, 60 games this year or Bach, you know, <laughs> play his full season. So I'm just kind of going off a few things here and there. Like they have a better thing. But, you know, if we're looking back, you know, f- four years from now and Bach's a player and a few other guys like Joe Veleno a player, like guys that, you know, not not steals, but players that people thought the Leafs could have picked reasonably like that day our players and Sandine's not like there's some egg on your face and you look you look bad
0: I don't think the one thing saving... is the sort of person that sort of gears down lazily and just grabs the first player that he knows off of a team he used to run and, and went at it that way I, I mean, wouldn't you know. I
1: wouldn't think yeah, so I... yeah you're right knowing and, and I guess the other thing that you've got to say is a bit of a saving grace even if you wanted to be skeptical with well, that point Is that they did manage to trade down and pick up another asset um, even if it wasn't even it was 76, and we saw some better picks picked up by other teams that traded down. Uh, that, to me, at least, saved it a little bit. If, if you do, if you do have a problem with that, which I personally don't, I think he's probably got, if anything, a bit of a beat on that player. And I don't think Sandine looking, talking to a lot of people around the league, I don't think he's at all a reach Uh-oh. where he was taken. And the fact that they got an extra extra asset out of it, I'm gonna, I'll give that. Pick a solid B, B plus, sort of uh, grade and, for me. And let's just move on from the draft point. You, you want to finish up on the, something? The process yeah. wasn't
2: terrible. Yeah, go ahead. There. Like it, it's a fine process. It's not like he traded down and you know, picked up like a fridge. Like you know, he picked up a player, so
1: <laughs> <laughs> he didn't he didn't trade up for Tyler yeah. Biggs either. So let's uh, move on to a little bit of the other the other thing that came out of the draft was that Kyle Dubas was seen having an animated conversation with uh, Pat Brisson, Jake Gardner's agent, also happens to be John Tavares' agent. Uh, Probably a couple conversations potentially going on there, but let's assume that the main uh, thrust of the conversation was about Jake Gardner and a potential extension, as has been uh, reported. How are you guys feeling about uh, getting in early on a Jake Gardner extension? Uh, Presumably this is... Probably we're looking at six million dollars or more. I don't think any of us would think that Garner's coming in anything below that. No chance. And, and and pretty significant term likely as well. So you're looking at signing him until he's, you know, 34 or whatever. Which, to me, not overly appetizing. Really, like I think you've got Dermot coming along. You've got Sandy now in the pipeline on that left side. Two players I think do have a legitimate shot of being really solid second pairing guys. Sandine's obviously a few years away, and I. I don't know. I just don't see a rush to extend him. I think if it, if it comes to next year and you're taking stock of things and maybe Dermott didn't take the strides you thought he was going to take this year in his full NHL season, say so he doesn't make it out of camp, Rosen beats him out, whatever possibility happens, right? Uh, maybe there isn't a whole lot of merging in the system yet, and then you can start to think about signing him in a good number and, and what you decide to do at that point. But I just wouldn't be rushing to get that contract done. I mean, he's coming off a career at 52 points. I think I'd just chill on that front if I was Dubas. What do you guys think?
2: I'd be I'd be shopping around a little bit. I'd be finding out if there's any interest in him. And, like, I'd be collecting all the info. Like, what does Gardner want? What would a team potentially be willing to pay up for him, like, right now? They get him for a year. Like, to be honest, like, I wouldn't want to pay Gardner. Yeah, John John Carlson's a direct
0: comparable. I think their their numbers across the board uh, match up pretty Carlson's easily. Carlson's definitely better
2: than Gardner, uh, and there's no way he'd be making think, 8 million.
0: I'm just saying statistically, I'm just saying that they're they're fairly close in terms of production. Yeah, no, I agree. I don't think I don't think I don't think he's the same player. But I mean, you're you're looking at you know those sort of those sort of numbers, not eight by eight, but you know maybe seven. Seven times six, seven times seven. I don't know. You know that it's it's a lot, and it's an area that they're going to be, or position they're going to be flush at in pretty short order here. So I mean, maybe the only the only way I would look at moving Gardner uh, is obviously to upgrade the the right hand position or right hand deed position. I'm also not. And I mean, on that on
1: that note, you'd have to be pretty creative with this, right? If you were going to shop him, Anthony, and you're going to move him around because. I mean, James Myrtle and a few others floated the idea that maybe Minnesota would consider moving Spurgeon if it meant offloading Tyler Ennis. And just hypothetically, I don't think Minnesota is in a rush to move Spurgeon. I don't know why they would be, but if he's an option as a right-handed top-four guy, and I like Spurgeon quite a bit, he's not going to be the top-four kind of shutdown right-hander that you would ideally want to bring in, but I think he upgrades that right side quite a bit. And he replaces that Gardner production that you can you could kind of start to reshape the defense core, right? But barring that kind of trade, what are you looking at? What are you looking to do with Gardner? Because moving him out just creates a massive hole, even if you don't think extending him long term in a big number makes
0: sense either. I don't
2: know. Like, uh, if I look back at it,
0: I think that the thing to consider with that is that on his this is what is his third contract or? Yeah, it's his third. Yeah, third. He's probably going to get a no trade and no move or a combination limited, no trade, no move makes him a bit e- harder to move now, obviously, but the team that are, that would be acquiring or hypothetically would be acquiring him is going to want some, some info or Intel, if he's going to be able to sign a, a contract at, at a number that they're comfortable with long-term. So it's a, a hard trade to make. I would think.
2: I, I think it's interesting. Like I've, I've, he's one player. I've never really understood what the feeling is around the league on him. Like, I don't know what other like teams think of him. Like I, I think he's just
1: same as Bozak. Yeah, as I think Bozek, it'll be interesting. Yeah. Career career leaves that it's like they're really, really mixed bags and in, in the fan bases' eyes, both those players. Um, it's hard to know how the league's looking at them. If you go by Darren Drager, who apparently must be really close with Bozak's agent because he pumps him constantly, uh, there's a ton of interest in Tyler Bozak. Jake Gardner, I don't know. Like, it's really hard for me to judge. And then the other part of it is, what do you think Dubis's headspace is like about Jake Gardner? Do you think that the Leafs Twitter sort of narrative about him, about how Gar- Dubis is going to love him on the basis of of his advanced numbers, do you think that actually is actually where Dubis is at with it, or is he a little bit more sober about the fact that extending this guy long-term maybe isn't the way to go? I think Babcock will be in his ear too,
2: right? Like, like to Dex's point earlier when he said, um, Gardner and Carlson's numbers are similar, which he's right. Like, I think, Gar- I think Carlson has 10 more points than Gardner over the last two seasons. And Gardner's actually outscored him at even strength. Like, Carlson...
1: Yeah, I was going to say, Gardner. Gardner's not a huge power play yeah, guy and either. Yeah, like, so. Carlson's literally yeah. just
2: feeding Ovechkin one-timers. Like, Carlson's good, but, like, he's literally walking the line. And you get, like, 10 assists a year because Ovechkin stands there and, and scores clean. So, that's not happening in Toronto. Um... But like, you know that said, like I can't see him getting under six. Like, right? Like no way Six in hell. is like yeah. there's no way he's getting under six. And like I don't want, I personally wouldn't want to pay Gardner six and a half a year long term into his thirties. That's just me. I've he's a good player. I like him. I don't dislike him, but not at that money.
1: The thing I really love about that Spurgeon option too is that he's signed at a good number for two more years, and then you can kind of You can kind of reassess things in two years and say, where's Lilgren at, right? As a right-hander, is he in the top four now? Is he ready to be a difference maker on the back end? And then you can make a decision on that. It really buys you a nice amount of time. But again, that's a luxury that I don't know if is even available to the team. The other one that I looked at in free agency, and it's like Calvin DeHaan is out there um, right now. I don't know if the Islanders are going to extend him or... Uh, he's he's met with a bunch of teams, uh, missed a huge part of last year. If you hypothetically, and this is way, way out there, if you hypothetically signed DeHaan, flip Gardner, and, and, and managed to acquire Spurgeon, how much more do you like that mix than what they have currently? I would think it's it's vast. I don't even improved. want to
2: think about it because it's so much more, like it's such a big improvement, I can't even, <laughs> exponentially better.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, cap-wise, DeHaan is probably coming in on what Gardner's at right now, right? Four-ish, which isn't, with with term, I mean, he missed half of the year, but he made three three and a bit on his last one, if, if I'm not Toronto's mistaken.
2: Smart, he'd sign a one or two year deal and then go back into free agency because he's still young enough and he's good.
1: And dip in again, right? Yeah, which works for the Leafs yep. too, to be honest.
2: I just I don't think Spurgeon's getting traded. Like I know his name was floated out there. I, they love Spurgeon. They love Spurgeon. Boudreaux loves like, him. Like, there's they're not trading him. Yeah, like, Boudreaux loves him. The guys that are available are like Justin Falk. Who I like, but I don't really know if he makes sense for the Leafs. And by that, I mean I don't think
1: he makes sense for the Leafs. And we have we've heard we've heard very little on yeah. that front. eh? Very very little linking the two. So I'm not sensitive. Has there much been one there.
2: legitimate report to the uh, to a leaf to the Leafs and a defenseman? Because I haven't seen one like real real one.
1: No. And, it, no. and it makes you wonder what the plan is. And I'll say this: like I think internally, I think Callie Rosen and Justin Hall both deserve a legitimate chance to make the team next year. Rosen was lights uh, out in the playoffs. Right now, it looks... He was incredible. And, and I, I understand Dermott was hurt, and the contrast isn't fair, I don't think, just going based on the playoffs. Long, long year for Dermott. He was playing through an injury that actually kept him out of Game 7 of the Calder Cup Final, which tells you it's pretty damn serious. So keep that in mind, but... That wasn't
0: just a flash all, in the pan, like, either. Rosen was playing well for a good three Rosen months. was
1: getting... Better progressively throughout the year, so I would give him a, a good look, and I think Justin Hall clearly deserves a legitimate chance to make the team uh, over a guy like Carrick at this point for me. And I guess the big, the big question mark there is: is Roman Polak back, and could he even be unseated for his role if he is? Uh, I don't anticipate that Dubis would sign him myself, but I also think it's pretty crazy to think that just relying on Justin Hall being a full-time NHLer next year is not really a great plan either. No, it's a, such a tough group
2: to navigate unless they really want to like blow a hole into it and bring in someone big time.
0: Who kills penalties is the is the thing you need to ask. I mean, just, I mean, at uh, a certain in there point, say, Babcock,
1: yeah, at a certain point, Babcock might have to actually bend a bit on that stance too. Like, if Garner, I don't see a reason why Garner can't spend a minute of game playing the penalty kill.
0: It he's not going to get the <laughs> option to do it, I don't think. I mean, Dermott, I think, is going to be a good penalty killer, regardless.
1: Yeah, when's Babcock going to trust him to be one? That could be years,
0: right? I guess when you start taking the keys away from from the coach every now and again, he's kind of saying these are the players we're going with, he has no choice but to go with it, right?
2: Well, is that what he's going to do at center? Yeah. Years a little bit, but with Nylander, like, is he just going to be like this guy's your third line center next year? Like, we're not acquiring
0: one. I, that's basically it, I think. I mean, you want to go, you want to pay Riley Nash after a. A career year and, and uh, pray that he's going to do it again at what, what age is he now 28 and leeching off leeching off some some brad Marchand points when
1: bergeron was out of lineup yeah yeah i don't want to go there myself i love i really like that player but i get the hesitance on if you listen to babcock's exit interviews it didn't sound like he was thinking nylander's uh, center tomorrow no
2: he <laughs> so. doesn't he he definitely doesn't think much of him at center
0: I took, I took that as to mean, uh, I don't know what the exact quote is, maybe we can loop it in, but uh, that that they were basically just going to see what's happening in free agency with Tavares. If Tavares comes, obviously they've got a 1-2-3 punch that's as good as anything in the league and Nylander's going to play the wing, but if they can't land Tavares, then sliding Nylander to center probably makes a lot of sense. They just have to replace right wing, which is a bit easier to do. And on that note,
1: let's move on a little bit to the... The inevitable topic we've got to touch on here. John Tavares, where are you guys at on uh, the odds that he's actually going to be? You know what? Let's, let's do this off the top. Let's handicap it. What teams do you have still in the mix? Uh, what do you put percentage odds on? Tack, you want to go first?
0: Oh, I don't know about it. It. <laughs> Uh, his home, his, the Islanders are the are the team that's in the lead right now. I would, it's the easiest decision to make. You just have to make one. You just sort of, re, you know, re up and and lose. Obviously, done as a good a job as he can selling the the new program that they're going to be on there. If he wants to win, and if he, that's all he's concerned about, I think immediately San Jose looks really good. But long term, I mean, if you want to try and do it in the next. Three to five years, Toronto's going to have more kicks at the can than than these other teams. Well, the one, the other two teams that make me more nervous are Boston and and Tampa Bay because it's, they're a bit further along than than the Leafs are right now, and, and that doesn't look like a lot of fun to play against with him on those on those rosters. To me, if Tavares is leaving, and
1: I'm 50/50 on it about right now, um, I think he's looking at. He's not looking at going home. I don't think he's looking at state taxes. I don't think he's looking at anything like that. It's, cha- where can I chase hardware consistently for seven years? And I think the Leafs have as good of a case as anyone, and they're, they're the place to be for that. Uh, I hear, like I heard Anthony's uh, spot on Fan 590 the other day about Tampa Bay, and obviously there's, there's appeal there, but I think Tavares is going to be balancing, where can I go and compete for cups for seven years? And he's going to be looking at where can I be minimally disruptive to the point where I'm not upsetting the apple cart and I'm not going into an organization that's in a great spot like Tampa Bay and force him to make gigantic moves to accommodate me. And And
0: That's strong, if you're you're being honest with yourself. To
1: me, yeah, no, if you forget how biased we are and how much we'd love to see this happen, fans that have spent years talking about the Bozaks and the Grabowskis and how Gra- Grabo should be with Phil and all this nonsense, and who's better, Grabowski or Bozak? And now to actually be staring down the possibility that we're gonna have Matthews and Tavares down the middle as a real thing. he's like, not exactly back-to-back back 30 either. goal scorer. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> like <laughs> completely insane, and like the the roster you can get into with this with this idea that he could be here. Like you just wrap your head around the way that a monkey JT can makes
0: make the it. lineups. <laughs>
1: Oh my, yeah, The way that JT makes everyone around him so much better, the years that Anders Lee and Josh Bailey have had, you go back to PA Molson. congrats on the retirement to him. Yeah, the years Ak- like, Akposo had with him with as a lefty-righty He compl- should never player. have to pay for a Moulson meal again.
2: A, like, these guys should be paying for his dinners
1: every <laughs> yeah, night. Matt Molson scored 37 <laughs> goals. <laughs> and, it, and had four straight years, or three, I think, of 30 or more goals. Like, can you imagine if you put Mitch Marner on that, in what, that situation? He was out of, he was out of the season? league
2: three, three years after leaving the Isles, and that's because Buffalo had a mercy year because they were so bad
1: and didn't care. Insane. Look, like, Mitch Marner goes from having a steady diet of Tyler Bozak to playing with John Tavares in his third full year in the NHL. And then that's without getting into the, the power play units would... Just be hilarious, but to me, there's there if if John DeVars is leaving the island, there's two places that I think are serious contenders, and I think I would guess that we all agree on this, is it's it's the Leafs in San Jose at this point, point. and San Jose I think can make as good of a case as the Leafs can right now that they can win in the next couple of years, probably a better case because they have. Brent Burns on defense, they have Vlasic on defense, they have a better decor, they have a more veteran roster that's more ready to win now, that's been through it a few more times, obviously, than the Leafs. But if Tavares is looking at where can I win tomorrow, where can I win in 2019, I think San Jose has has it running away. If Tavares is looking at it, where can I consistently take kicks at this can and try to win not just one cup, but two, three cups, alla Sidney Crosby, Jonathan Taves, which he deserves to be in the company of, I think he's got to be looking at Toronto and saying this is a slam dunk Can for I? me. And but that that's just me saying that he's leaving. I don't think that's a guaranteed thing, but if he's leaving, I don't I don't see how logically he could come to any other conclusion than Toronto's at to go. Can I just say for
2: the Islanders like I haven't really heard much much talk about this, but what like everyone saw the the proposed three-way trade just to get it back up to get make sure everyone's on the same page here where the Habs were going to um, trade Max Petcheretti to the Islanders for 12 number 12 or number 11. And then they were going to flip that pick to the Sabres, potentially some sort of package for Ryan O'Reilly. Everyone kind of comes out as a winner, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Why, why wouldn't the Islanders make that trade if they're trying to sell JT on winning? Like they could have said, like we just acquired like a perennial 30 goal score, power forward winger. Like, did Patchetti just not want to go to the island? And like, he's American, and you're living in New York. Like, there's worse things you could be doing uh, to play hockey. Like, is that is that even a consideration? Or am I just like making things up? Like, I'd kind of think like that's a selling point. Or is Lou like we're kind of out? Like, we're if we're on the outside looking in, and we need to we need to make sure we keep drafting young guys and bring these guys along.
1: I, I saw the argument that he could sell them on the picks he just made, and I think that's banana land. I think that's crazy. That John Tavares cares who they just drafted thirteenth yeah. and fourth, yeah, eleventh like and twelfth overall. overall. There's he's no seen, way
0: he's also seen his fair share of picks bust out of uh, out of new, the supposedly very good picks bust out pretty quickly uh, in yeah, New York. Exactly. In oh, yeah, first Griffin Reinhardt. At but I think
1: fourth overall.
0: <laughs> I think all of us though. Del Cool, like a month
1: ago. If you told us that Lou Lamorella was going to be the GM of the, of the Islanders and Barry Trotz was going to go coach them, we, bo- we all would have thought or assumed that they were doing it with some knowledge that John Tavares was leaning heavily towards saying, right? And that's the crazy thing to me is that we're even here. And I don't know which way to take it. Like, I think that uh, that makes a pretty good argument for staying still. Like if it's if it's Garth Snow and Doug Weight pitching him, I think he's gone long, I long you a nine, 95% chance he's gone. But the fact that it's Lou Lamorell and Barry Trotz, the fact that he, I don't think he's the type of personality who wants I don't think he's the type of personality who's going as a captain who wants to bail on the sinking ship. I don't think that's in his nature. And there is always just the element of wanting to stick and actually win with the team that drafted you. And I think that's still a really powerful force in his decision here. But if he's if he's gonna stay, it's it's a it's a heart decision. If he's gonna leave, and use his brain, I don't think there's a better case to be made than what the Leafs have right now.
2: I agree. It's just whether he wants that that lifestyle. Like uh, we we saw what Perkies. I he right? seems like he I, was dead on.
1: Yeah, it seems less. A, you know, that was a good point by Burke. Like he seems, but he seems less averse to it than than yeah, Stamkos
2: be, was. just to clarify for anyone who didn't see, like Burke basically said, like we saw how quick everyone turned on Matthews in the playoffs, like. That would 100% happen to Tavares. Like, at least make the playoffs next season. You know, Tavares has an okay series or whatever. Leafs get eliminated. Like, it's... You know, he'll hear it. He'll hear it more than he'd hear it in pretty much any other market. Like, Tampa...
0: I think once you start to get once you start to get the big three, you know the, the holy trinity plus Taveras on the same team, it sh- helps to shoulder the load so much better than having just the three of them or just two of them or, or you know when Burke was here there was only one of them. So you know one person takes all the shit kicking and, and the rest of them uh, they get away. You know they're not they're not as under uh, a fine microscope. If, if
2: the Leafs did what Tampa did, like in game, like Tampa was terrible in that game seven of the Eastern Conference Final. If the Leafs did that for a game 7 to go to the Stanley Cup and lost, what was the final score? Four nothing? If they yeah. did that, like could you imagine the backlash? I
1: I kept watching the the Washington example and thinking about the years, the struggles they went through for the better part of 10 years and thinking, does this market, do the Leafs, does the Leafs market have the guts to actually stick through what the Capitals just it, did? Like I don't I can't see it. I, but the other thing that I want to I think we should talk about here is and preempt if we can in our own little significant insignificant corner of the web is this idea that that Austin Matthews would somehow be insulted <laughs> if John Tavares was added Insanity. to the roster. I think that's the one it's of the funniest nonsense. narratives that's coming out of this as well as the idea um second to that that William Nylander has to be traded tomorrow if they sign him. Because the best part about this, to me, is that if they if they actually do get John Tavares, they're going to have William Nylander, who they should get under contract anyway at a good number if they can, um, as as a guy that they can have in their back pocket and keep for this year. Because there's no rush at all on that deal, and if they're going to make it, it's going to be the right one. And I think that's that's a fantastic position to be in if you're the Leafs.
0: They also don't have very many wingers to play around with. I mean, what are they going to they're going to take trade William Nien and Land, Nylander and replace him with Connor Brown? No, but they are pretty Josh strong on
2: the right side. Like yeah. you have Marner, Kapanen, Kapanen? Brown, Levo, potentially they, Zach Hyman. They're good
0: and they're deep. They're good and they're deep. But I mean, is there a Kucherov on the right side? Is well, there? Well, there's Marner. You know,
2: I'm not saying he's Kucherov, but I hear you. It's not like it's an insanely talented group, but they're like they're above average NHLers up and down one through five.
1: All right, boys, we're running on now. Almost 40 minutes, I think, on this thing. We planned for 25. So any closing thoughts, any uh, bold predictions from either of you gentlemen on what might happen on July 1st? We could have – I was thinking about this today. Um, the the idea of the Leafs winning the Cup, it's almost too big of an idea for me to to comprehend. Um, but John Tavares coming to the Leafs isn't that far behind it <laughs> as far as just – processing that possibility i don't think i've fully digested the idea that this could happen but uh it doesn't have to be about the leaves uh ideally it would be but what what do you guys see happening that maybe uh might surprise us on july 1st first ever
0: i think we're gonna see a lot i think we're gonna see a lot more movement as soon as john Tavares makes his decision then you're gonna see a, a flurry of activity after that uh for, as far as the leaves go i don't I don't see too much happening other than you know I mean, they're going to have to make some some moves for D. There doesn't seem to be much. There doesn't seem to be much in free agency. They're probably going to have to make a trade. But other than that, I can't make too many predictions.
1: Are you guys predicting if if John Tavares isn't the the outcome for the Leafs that? Probably it's a it's a bargain bin situation as far as finding some some maybe some unearthing some gems at good numbers on at center and then yeah the that's what hand. I'm I'm guessing
2: I also love that first ever hot stove unofficial official podcast like Leafs winning the cup has been mentioned like Tavares potentially being a Leaf has been daydream <laughs> like, just going all in right now <laughs> but the. Uh,
1: this is this is the time of the year to dream. Fantasy See, I haven't is. heard them
2: link to him, but I uh, I honestly I think at at the right number I think Pat Maroon would make a lot of sense. Like they they need they struggle holding the puck in the offensive zone. They struggle cycling. They struggle working the walls. Like it was a an Achilles heel for the team last year, and and
1: they're weak and on that wing. the other name there, uh, Anthony, that I think we've talked about quite a bit as well is I think Reader be or rider, whatever the correct pronunciation, makes some sense for them. 15 goal, 35 point guy. That's I think he's played about two minutes a night on the penalty kill. He didn't play there for the for the Kings. He didn't play penalty kill for the Kings, but he did for the for the Coyotes for the better part of three or four years there. And I think if you could get him at a number that makes sense, that probably makes sense. He's a left hander. He can play both wings. Uh, I think he's played a bit of center. Nah, as he not too be. much
2: center, but yeah, and he's fast too. Like speed's name of his game. It,
1: he fits he fits the identity. He's twenty five. He, yeah. If you if you had PK if you had PK units with, with Kapanen and, and Reader, I think you're you're doing okay. Um the other one there that we could maybe talk about is a left left side option you could also penalty kill given the report that Leo Komarov is probably uh Gonzo, the report was Report was the Rangers. I don't know if it was a credible report or not, but that does make some sense. But part of the reason why the Rangers might want him is that they're they're trying to replace some penalty killing acumen lost in Michael Grabner. Could you guys see uh, Michael Grabner being a possibility for the Leafs, or is he going to price his way out of uh, out of Toronto's consideration? He's
2: probably going to price himself out, but I think he'd be a nice fit here. Like, I, there's probably some people that have like Michael Grabner missing breakaway PTSD. Better listening to this from when he was a little <laughs> and couldn't, you know, score. Like, he couldn't hit the side of a barn.
0: He made up for it.
2: But, yeah, the last two years.
1: He couldn't really score in New Jersey, eh? He didn't really do anything no, in New Jersey.
2: just as a – like, I – to be honest, like, I wouldn't – that's the thing. Like, he's going to get paid. Like, he scored 27 goals last year. Uh, he was, like, around that number. Two, yeah, two right? years in a row. Two so years in a row, how yeah. How is he going to get yep. paid less than three mil? And he PKs and he wow. speed –
1: I was thinking, I was thinking four. Right. I was so four.
2: in saying that, like I, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't really sign him wanting the goals. I just want him for the speed and the PK and, um, you know, a guy you can put out to close games at the end. But like, I'm not paying a guy four million dollars to do that. I'll go sign Colton Sevier for like, one point five, and he's a grinder, and, you know, he'll he'll piss guys off, and he can play PK just fine.
1: Yeah, so in summing up, it looks like July 1, the Leafs will acquire Spurgeon, maybe get Niederreiter in that <laughs> deal, uh, Flip Gardner, and sign Tavares. And we'll be Stanley Cup champions in 2019. Well, this has been really good, uh, guys. We'll hopefully do another one after we see the the craziness unfold that will be July 1st, and whatever whatever it is that Tavares' decision uh, also, winds a quick, up. Also, quick we'll predictions. Catch up again which, in a uh, weeks.
2: which goalies are still going to be part of the organization a week from now?
1: That's a good one. Uh Garrett Sparks will be, Pickard won't be. Not, but you think McElhaney won't get traded? Yeah, I, I think, I think they'll bring three into camp, right? Yep. They'd be Wouldn't McElhaney
2: have more value than Picard as just like a temporary backup?
1: Right, but uh, McElhaney's actually proven he does the yeah. job pretty well. I know, I know. So <laughs> which I think, I think has value. I'd bring McElhaney into camp and then I'd pick Yeah, I know, but I mean, if I'm a
2: team trading, I, it's a tough, like Picard's oh, okay, young. Oh, what you are saying. So I get that, but like if you just if you just want to solve that, yeah, that's what I was bet, thinking. He actually could do worse.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, interesting note on that Minnesota deal that we keep talking about is that they are actually in the market for a backup goaltender. Just so. saying. There you go. Yeah, interesting. All right, boys, this has been good. Uh, let's catch up in a couple of weeks. Awesome. And do the Same thing.
0: Sounds good. <laughs> This has been a Maple Leafs Hot Stove production. For Maple Leafs news, opinion, and analysis, make sure to go to mapleleafshotstove.com and join the conversation. Thanks for listening.